why are you so good at picking winners? Yeah, I do think it is a talent of mine to know, just know what makes money. I think I'm always my own customer. So I, I'm always very aware in my life. If I go anywhere, I'm like, oh, I would do it this way. Or this is a pain point that's annoying me. Or I would do this product in a better way. I've primed myself to see solutions to problems and that I think puts me in the headspace to always to be thinking about ideas. But I also, I don't like spending money or I actually, I just really like getting value for my money. If I'm going to part with my money, I really want to know, okay, what am I getting? I, it's a careful decision. I'll think about things for weeks often, pros and cons, and then I'll buy something. And I wouldn't put something out there unless I would pay for it myself. And that's a really high bar. We stand today. The business method with a shadow. The business method. The business method podcast. The business method podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneur systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring high-performing entrepreneurs and high-caliber people dissecting their different methods, tools, and strategies so we can apply them to our businesses and lives. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built seven-figure businesses that can be ran anywhere in the world. And currently, we are interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business, affect income, results, economies, and cultures, especially post-COVID. Since we moved into a post-pandemic world, the landscape has changed drastically for most business owners. We're finding out what is working for the entrepreneurs out there that have positioned themselves well to make sure their businesses thrive, succeed, and continue to experience growth in this current economy. And now, let's hop into today's show. The business method. Hey gals and pals, listen up real quick because we have something exciting to share with you. First, for you high-performing entrepreneurs out there, we've taken the most powerful tips and tricks from over 400 episodes that our guests have shared on how to optimize their own personal performance, and we've made them into digestible micro-podcast episodes that are just two to eight minutes long. These high-performance episodes are being published on Monday and Friday each week, and will be labeled as HP number one two three four five six seven eight nine ten, and so on. Those episodes are live now and they're designed for you to consume some quick, high-quality content when you only have a few minutes to spare. So be sure to subscribe to the Business Method Podcast on your favorite app so you can get those delivered to you as soon as they are live. The next thing I wanted to share with you is about our private mastermind community for established entrepreneurs. If you have an established business that has good momentum and wanted to be involved in a higher level mastermind community that is curated specifically for entrepreneurs that are moving at the same speed as you with similar challenges, revenue, team size, and business niche, then we've got a group for you. Our private mastermind groups are facilitated by myself, yours truly, and my good friend Adam Anderson. Adam is a seasoned entrepreneur who's been involved in 20 plus startups over 20 years and recently had a multi-million dollar exit. I keep the members on track with their goals, productivity, and optimization, and Adam brings the vast business knowledge to the groups. Our purpose with this private community is to help you reach your business goals faster so you can remove yourself from your company and focus on bigger and better things. You can learn more about that private community and masterminds at thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. That's thebusinessmethod.com forward slash masterminds. And now let's hop into today's show. The business method. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Aaron Young. Aaron is an Aussie entrepreneur currently living in Bali. And get this, you guys, over the past two years, she took her business from zero to 11 million. Zero to 11 million. Building a business that sells products for women in the fitness industry and hires a team of women to work on her business. I loved interviewing Erin, you guys. She's got an incredible amount of passion and energy. She really strives hard to help other females out there, but not just other females, female entrepreneurs as well. In the podcast, we talk about how Erin built this business, Arena Strength, up to 11 million per year now. Her first year, she did 3 million. Year one, she did 3 million. Year two, she did 11 million. Now, Erin has built a couple other businesses beforehand, but never with this growth, this rapid growth. 
and never in the capacity and the structure that she has with arena strength. And actually, it was just a couple years ago when she was down to $5,000 a month with her business, and she knew she had to make a major shift to change things. Not only do we talk about Erin building her business, but we talk about everything from how she niches her products down, how she creates her products, how she focuses on her customer, how she strives really hard to create very high quality products for her customers, how she sees productivity, how she structures her life, and how she makes sure that she creates a lifestyle business working around 30 to 38 hours per week and her entire team also only works 38 hours per week. You guys, it's a phenomenal episode. I really enjoyed diving into the mind of Erin Young. Without further ado, let's welcome her to the show on the Business Method Podcast. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, welcome to the Business Method Podcast. I am joined today by Erin Young, who is an entrepreneur from Australia. And she has hopped on the mic today. She's going to share with us everything that she's learned over the past few years about building an eight-figure business as a woman. That's right. Eight, you're at eight figures, right? Is that Erin? Yeah, that's correct. That's yeah. correct. Okay, cool. So she's going to hop on and share about her journey. She has an incredible story, you guys. She's going to tell us about the challenges that she's come up with building her first business and then using that as a learning platform to build her second business, which is now Arena Strength, and how she scaled it over the past couple of years to eight figures while running a fully employed team of all women and only working 38 hours per week. The whole entire team only works 38 hours per week, which I think is really impressive. So Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you. I'm really excited. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. Actually, we, we went back and forth for, I think, you know, nine or 10 months or so talking about having you on the podcast. And then you sent me a message and then um, you said, hey, I'm ready to come on. And I said, okay, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and I think I was going to say, it's going to be better having waited even because my business, even in the last eight months with Corona, it's kind of transformed. So I think there'll be a lot more even inside doing it now rather than eight months ago. So Well, plus now you're expecting as well, right? And exactly. So, right? <laughs> Trying to manage my transition out or like having at least three months off next year when I'm due in March. So Exactly. Like I love these stories because you can look anywhere and you see in the entrepreneurial world, a, a male dominated industry because men just, I don't know, they like to become entrepreneurs and it's part of, I guess, their biology. Uh, and then you get these really awesome females that come in and build these amazing businesses and something that 50 years ago really didn't exist. If you look back into the 50s and the 60s in at least North America and a lot of places around the world, um, I don't know any, any story of all actually of a woman building an eight-figure business. Can you think of any? Yeah, not really. I think you have this examples of Spanx and things like that, but I think mm -hmm. you hardly hear about it when it doesn't require investment, doesn't require like living in a, you know, a startup city, doesn't require huge work weeks, that sort of thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what's even more cool is like you're a full on lifestyle entrepreneur as well, because one time we were talking back and forth and you're like, Hey, I'm in Iceland, you know, I'm doing this thing and <laughs> just traveling now. And then I, I looked at your Facebook and all your pictures are you're in London, you're in Thailand, you're in some foreign country, you and your fiance and you're traveling around the world. And um, at one point you minimized your work hours only to 30 hours per week, right? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Well, even now for the past month, I've kind of been doing it a little bit less because I was quite tired. So just doing three to four hours a day, Monday to Friday. So I definitely don't have to work my full, I'm trying to do 38 hours, but I don't have to do that. I have a team now in place. I could work as little as an hour a day. So it's really nice to have that flexibility and freedom and to have to build that into my business. So yeah, it's very cool. So tell us what your business is now and then all the links and where we can find you and then we'll jump into the story. Yeah, sure. So my business is called Arena Strength and it's a fitness brand um, that empowers women. Um, and our main products are kind of booty bands and fabric long resistance bands. And I guess if you want to get in touch with me, the best way to do that is go to arenastrength.com forward slash learn. And what I'm going to forward this link to is a, is a 
Facebook group, How to Build a Seven-Figure Business Without Giving Up Your Life. And that's a free lecture series that I created for any kind of entrepreneurs looking to take their business to the next level. And I really just offer a lot of the resources that I learned and, and the journey that I went on with Arena Strength. So that's totally free. I'm a part of the group. And I'd love to share that kind of free knowledge with all the women entrepreneurs out there or any entrepreneurs really. So Very cool. When did you start your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So I was 21 and I'm 32 now. So it was more than 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And I guess it was in my final year of university, I joined an entrepreneur society and someone gave me the four hour work week. And I read that book maybe in two days. And I thought two to myself, days, days. yeah, I was like this Tim Ferriss guy, he's onto something. I'm just going to follow his <laughs> advice. Uh-huh. And then, so I did some research and I, I just had the idea of like selling matcha green tea in Australia, which wasn't available at the time. And that was kind of my first foray into entrepreneurship. And I built this little matcha tea company and I ran it on the side, kind of moonlighting in my full-time jobs for a number of years. And then when it, I got a distributor contract with that and it went into around 3000 health food stores in Australia. Um, and that's when I thought to myself, well, now I can maybe take a year off, go travel, make my business remote. And then I haven't looked back since I left around five years ago from Australia Uh um, and have been kind of living abroad and met my partner abroad. Um, And that's how I got into it, really, just following Tim's advice, which is I'm sure how many people got into it. Were you in school for for business? Was that? Yeah. So, yeah, I did study commerce, liberal studies at Sydney. Um, but I wouldn't say I really learned much in that. I think <laughs> I maybe learned, yeah, I'd always do part-time jobs and I guess I learned to hustle in that. And it did allow me to live a year in Germany on exchange. And the key lesson I got from that was, wow, it sucks being in Europe traveling when you're poor <laughs> and because it really restricted <laughs> me. <laughs> so that's when I was kind of like, I'd love to take a year out and travel and not use my savings to, to earn money at the same time. Um, so that kind of like drive then really pushed me to join the Entrepreneur Society, which then started the journey really. So Yeah, I, I know how you feel. I went to to graduate school for business and and I learned some good things, but I often have these daydreams of going back to my university and lecturing the graduate students about real world entrepreneurship, especially like what's going on now, especially if you're a bare knuckle entrepreneur where you're starting off everything up on your own and you're building it from nothing. And compared to some of the things I learned, I, I think about my old professors and just what they were teaching in marketing. And I was just, I don't, I don't know if that was really the, yeah, the best business education, but I'm sure a lot of people got a lot of value out of it. Um, the social experience so for me in university was phenomenal. Um, yeah, exactly. It's what made it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, real quick. Are you looking to grow your marketing and sales pipeline? Outgrow is a growth marketing platform that helps marketers create intuitive non-code tools such as calculators, chatbots, assessments, and quizzes. Outgrow's founders started by designing a mobile app cost calculator and quickly saw the power of interactive tools. So they built Outgrow so that any marketer and entrepreneur can build calculators and interactive tools to improve their customer acquisition. Today, you guys, Outgrow is used by over 5,000 companies and has a powerful builder with a wide range of embeds, over 1,000 templates, along with the analytics and integrations. It's designed for every modern marketer. It's pretty incredible. I know you can sign up for Outgrow at outgrow.co forward slash BM. That's outgrow.co forward slash B as in boy, M as in Michael. And start your free trial today. Now, let's hop back into the interview. And so you started Matcha Green Tea about 11 years ago, right? And you built it up and then you got it in 3000 stores and you got to the point where you could take a year off and you decided to go travel. And were you working on the business any during that year or was it completely off? Yes, I was still working on the business, I guess. So I left um, Australia and I moved to Ireland because my ex-boyfriend ran an Irish dairy farm. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to move to Ireland, live in a dairy farm, run my business, like life's going to be grand. And then, yeah, but I got there and I just, I really hated Ireland. It was so rainy. I was like, I, I went to the city of Cork and tried to find a co-work space and it was just like the most awful experience. And then, so I survived four months there and And then it just wasn't the life I wanted to live. I kept thinking to myself, I didn't build a remote business so I could live in the place that I wouldn't want to live in least. And so we broke up on good terms and I had this blank slate in front of me and I thought to myself, okay, I don't know what's next, but I'm not very happy. I'm just going to focus the next four months on being happy. And then I have a flight booked home to Australia from, I booked it from uh, Mm Colombia. And so 
I basically hopped on a plane, got to Mexico, backpacked for four months through Central America, read a lot of books and kind of just mapped out the vision I wanted in my life. You know, what values do I want to live by every day? You know, what do I want in my next partner? What do I want out of life? And that kind of just gave me a lot of clarity. Um, And then when I got to Medellin in Colombia, I decided to learn like intensive salsa and I met my partner, my husband now, Arthur. So we were there living in that city for two months. Um, And that was a time where he actually challenged me a little bit. He's like, you know, you're running Zen Green Tea, you're in the Australian market. He's like, but I think that you need to, you know, take a step back and look bigger. Like, what about the US? It's a huge market. Um, And that's when I kind of was like, you know, you're right. I'm never going to achieve what I want out of life, just playing in Australia and just with this small green tea company. So I had another idea for a product, which is a booty band, kind of a latex figure eight band. And I built a program program around it of like how to like tone your butt and your thighs and and I developed that because I'd injured my lower back and I needed strong glutes and I was using that anyway and the side effect was a great butt so I was like women in America they'll buy this <laughs> and then yeah and then I learned how to sell on Amazon um, I listed that product within kind of two months it was doing really well like $50,000 a month and it was just so much easier than the slog I had with Zen Green Tea to build that and I just thought to myself like the US is where it's at. Amazon was a great channel and a good learning experience. Um, and then from there, I was working on that business as well as Zen Green Tea for a year. But I saw when I moved to Bali and I joined CrossFit, this whole trend for like women in fitness and strength training. And they were actually using loop rubber bands for the, like, you know, for glutes and, and thigh building and, and um, toning. And I saw that my product then was a fad and it would soon be overtaken and phased out by this new product. And I thought to myself, I want to get in on this new product trend, um, but wouldn't it be great if these bands were fabric and then they wouldn't break like the rubber ones or they wouldn't roll, they wouldn't pinch. Mm-hmm. And then I also knew I didn't feel great about the branding of my other booty band company. It was called Booty Co. And it just felt a little bit like, telling women what they should look like rather than being something that like empowers women just to take control of their health and fitness. And and you can do that from any size, any age. Um, And so I wanted to build something that was more empowering that I would be really happy. And I could think was actually doing some good in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when I, and I also wanted to build a business that was more in my control. So off Amazon or like only Amazon having a part of the sales channel. So I spent the time and I I thought about what I wanted the brand to be. And it was all about stepping into the arena of your life. Mm -hmm. And if you take your fitness and your health into your own control, you know, bring those, bring that strength into asking for promotion into your home life and to just asking for what you want and getting what you want out of life. So I built the brand arena strength and then it started out on amazon and i just really focused on having an amazing product like our bands are still i think the best out there they're the best quality we offer the best training resources we give women this amazing community Um, and then straight away because i knew amazon as a channel it kind of really took off on amazon and then i used i spent about three months learning a lot about facebook ads and sales channels sales funnels um, and i tweaked the facebook ads funnel And then within three months of tweaking that kind of formula, it really took off. I hit the right ad to the right audiences with the right messaging at the right price point. And then I could just massively scale that. So then Facebook became kind of one of our major channels for sales. And then so in the first year, then we did around 3 million US dollars in sales off one product. Um, And now our second year, we're running it around 11, 11 million US a year. Um, and that's off just three products. And we, and we quickly scaled out. We're selling in the US. Then we went to UK, Canada, and Australia. So, so, so what I noticed about your story, Aaron, is that you, you picked, you always picked winners. Like your, the green tea, like was a winner and you got into 3000 stores in Australia and then you went into the band. Um, but it was inspired off of you needing to heal your own back and then wanting to help other women do that. And then, you know, having another version of the band, uh, which was even better. And so that wouldn't die out because of a fad. So what is your, why are you so good at picking winners? Yeah. Yeah. I do think it is like a talent of mine to know, like, just know what makes money. Um, like I always have great, I like always have ideas and things like that. Um, I think I I'm always my own customer. So I I'm always very aware in my life. Like if I go anywhere, I'm like, Oh, I would do it this way. Or this is a pain point that's annoying me. Or I would do this product in a better way. Like, so I've always, I've primed myself to see solutions to problems. And then I think puts me in the headspace to always kind of 
yeah to be thinking about ideas Mm -hmm. but I also think I'm very like I don't really like I've been brought up I don't like spending money or actually I just really like getting value for my money and it's I'm going to part with my money I really want to know okay what am I getting I it's a careful decision I'll think about things for weeks often pros and cons and then I'll buy something and I think that being really careful with my money means that whatever I'm producing like and selling I want to, you know, really deliver value. And I'm really like, what's, what am I delivering? What am I delivering? And, and I wouldn't put something out there unless like I would pay for it myself. And that's a really high bar. Um, so I think that's, that's another thing too. And I'm really always, yeah, addressing pain points for customers. And, and I'm often, I'm not reinventing a new, like I'm not creating something often that's new. I'm just seeing something that's already selling and I'm doing it better. Um, and then adding more value. and. That, and that makes sense. What's the thought process you go through? So say you want to invest X amount of dollars in, in marketing for your business or X amount of dollars in creating a product for your business. So what's your thought process that you run us through that, that you have um, to help people understand like, okay, this is, I'm an entrepreneur. Maybe I can learn from your thought process to understand what would be a worthy investment of me putting my money somewhere. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess like what I would always, what I would always do first is look at, you know, what personal, what customer, what community am I serving? You know, so for example, with my fabric resistance bands, even in the beginning, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm serving the everyday woman who wants to work out at home. Um, she, you know, wants to build her booty and tone her thighs and probably shape up. And then I would look at, okay, well, from that customer, what are they already buying? So I would, I, I, I maybe understand that, yeah, I want to sell these bands and I think they would be fantastic, but I'd take a step back and be like, well, what else are they buying? Is there another even better product that I'm missing here? Just so that you have all the information on the table. Mm-hmm. And then I'd probably, I'd, for example, join some other Facebook groups of these women. I would, you know, and then I would actually go in and look at, okay, where are they buying from? What are they wearing? What are they saying they're using? Like kind of just do all this customer research and I'd be like, okay, they're having protein, they're buying leggings, they're buying workout mats, they're buying, you know, they use rubber resistance bands. Um, they often subscribe to like one or a fitness app or at least, you know, a program. These are the sort of programs they're doing. And then I'd look, okay, if they're already spending all their money on these things, you know, where are they unhappy with where they're spending their money, you know, where they haven't got a better solution. And for me, when I was looking at that, I was really like, okay, it is the rubber resistance bands. Like a lot of them are using them every day. And these ones roll, they break, they snap. Like they're a real pain point and women have to then keep spending their money on this. Mm-hmm. And it's such, and then if I would actually then, like my, some of my friends and my mom is one of these like women that I'm trying to serve. I'd be like, hey, like you're using this. Would you use this? And my mom would be like, yes. And I'd get her sample and be like, try this. And she's like, this is way better. And then she'd tell her friend and her friend would message me on Facebook and be like, hey, Jenny brought her band. Can I get one from you? And that's always when I'm like, okay, when people, I'm telling someone my idea and their friends are messaging me wanting in on it, that's when I know that something's good. And that's when, yeah, and that's when I would then, and I would still always then only invest a little bit, of, a little amount of money, like maybe $500 and having, an initial 50 samples of the product. Mm-hmm. And then so when I sell those, I'd invest in more. So I, even if I was wrong, I wouldn't like have put a lot of money, money into, into it. it. Yeah. yeah, proving it every step. So so the secret is mom's network. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> Actually, that's, uh, do you know what a squatty potty is? Yeah, I listened to that podcast you did on it. <laughs> that was the secret to his network too. Mom's poop. Story, you know, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like getting that early feedback from your customer is so important. Absolutely. And especially like, yeah, that's the, that's, I, I, I know many businesses are growing like that. And that's really, really ingenious because it works, you know, and, uh, and now you have a very successful business out of it. That's awesome. Um, so, okay. So going back to your timeline, we had, um, we had the green tea business and then you created one version of the bands. Was this, was this under the arena strength brain brand? No. So it was under a a beauty co brand that I, yeah, felt was a bit icky. (laughs) Okay. And so you built that brand up and then decided to kind of dissolve that brand over time and then evolve it into the band that you have now in arena strength, right? Yeah. I kind of just let it, it was always only an Amazon product and I just let it run and it was running for maybe even the first year of arena is still selling. Um, but then, you know, sales dwindled and I kind of just let it sell out and, and just okay. closed up shop. So, 
But you said pretty quickly it got to, 50, did you say 50,000 a month? In, yeah. yeah. So I'd say within the first month, it kind of got to that revenue level and then it was really, really good. But then over time, I think, you know, the, as you see with Amazon competitors come in, it gets eroded. The market was changing and, and women were very quickly educating themselves on strength training. So yeah, it was basically with the rise of arena bands was the decline of, you know, the booty band, the other booty co bands. So yeah. When did you launch Arena Strength? Uh, so it kind of kicked off in November 2018. Okay. So just like two years ago, literally. Yeah, two years ago. <laughs> but you were, business was kind of struggling, right? You were down uh, like $5,000 a month towards the end of the second band, right? And you were at a, a pivotal moment in your life, right? Well, so um, when I was in uh, Colombia, you know, um, that was when Zen Green Tea was kind of at around like $5,000 a month. Okay. And, and, and I was like, that was when Arthur challenged me. He's like, I think you need to play in a bigger field and look at America. Mm -hmm. um, and then I agreed with him. And, and that's when basically then I, I spent a couple of months developing Booty Co. And then so my, rev my then revenue went up to when that took off to like 50 grand. And probably when I started Arena, it was sitting around 30, 30 grand a month, mm -hmm. I would say. So still like, that was great. I still had, I had space and time to spend like learning and developing more of a brand and thinking about the business I wanted to build next, which was amazing. So Gotcha. Okay. And then, so tell us about kind of the launch of Arena Strength. Like what are some of the things that, that really helped it to take off? I guess in the beginning when I launched Arena, um, I brought on straight away, just, I met a, a fantastic girl in Bali, um, Sophie, who I, she was very like, she's a CrossFit trainer. And I said to her, listen, I can't pay you a lot, but there could be a massive future kind of working with me in this brand. You know, if you have time, would you, you know, maybe $15 an hour, run our Instagram and just pick up, you know, whatever I need you to do in this business. And then she was also then going back to be a student kind of president. Um, and I said, in a year's time, you know, I could potentially bring you on full time if Arena's, you know, doing really well. So that was great. Straight away, I was outsourcing a lot of stuff to her and I, I could focus in on the business and so the first thing I did was okay we need to get money through the door once I developed the product and I already knew Amazon as a channel and that's kind of the easiest way to kind because of, Amazon delivers you the customers really if you pick your niche right if you have the right keywords in there if it's a right like value add for the customer so straight away I launched the bands on Amazon so within two three months um yeah it was doing really well probably 15, 20, 20 grand a month on Amazon. How much, and that how really, much in marketing were you putting into that? I wasn't putting anything in marketing. Um, I just was the first kind of premium fabric resistance band on Amazon. So I was wow. really one of the early ones. Like there was maybe one other brand, but they were kind of a bit ugly and they were different. One of the main things is they were three different sizes. So they varied the resistance by giving you a really large, a really large band or a really small band. Okay. And that was really crappy for the user. So I made all mine the same size with different resistance in the fabric. And that was a real selling point on Amazon. Okay. So straight away they were selling without any Amazon marketing. Um, and then I spent, and I also from the beginning focused on community. So I made sure that we offered a lot of free workout resources. So any customers that kind of were using our bands would then join our Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And then Sophie would manage the Facebook community. And it was definitely like crickets in the beginning. It was really hard to get anyone to interact, but very soon, maybe when I hit like a 50 customer tipping point and we started running booty challenges in the Instagram, in the Facebook group, we got some really great like community involvement in there from our customers. Mm -hmm. So all the time I was doing that. And then I was learning about Facebook ads. So I did like a Depeche Mandalia course. I learned about, I was studying competitors and how, and, and similar brands and how they were running, what ads they were advertising to. And then I was kind of looking, researching on Facebook. I was like, okay, who can I target? That's going to be relevant. And then what are the main pain points? And I was kind of listening to our customer feedback and what they were loving about the bands and what they really, to get the wording out of there. Like they wanted um, to feel the burn. They wanted to, you know, lift and shape and tone. Uh -huh. um, and then, so I was putting all those kind of words into a landing page. And then basically I was experimenting with the price. I initially was trying to run my Facebook ads funnel where it's like, Hey, it's $49. Wasn't getting many takers. I was like, okay, it's $39 getting some pretty, a lot of takers. And I was like, okay, it's 59, but I'm giving you 20 off. Uh -huh. So you get it for 39. And suddenly that was like the sweet spot. And then I could really like put ads out there on Facebook to the right audience. 
and be getting great sales. You know, I, I'd put in, this is like Facebook's a bit more expensive now than it was two years ago, but I put in a dollar and I get back six or $7. Nice. And that's when I was like, fantastic, like order loads of stock, massively scale up. And then just, I went in January, Facebook ads was maybe doing 15 grand for us. And then in February, I think I scaled it up. So we were doing 300 grand in revenue, you know, just from Facebook ads. And then the next month it was even more than that. And yeah, it was really, so face having those like paid acquisition channels where I could get that formula, right. Put a dollar in and know that I would get back roughly this amount of dollars mm -hmm. really enabling a scale. So yeah. what is the, like so many people use Facebook ads and they just flop. So, so where do you think they're failing where you succeeded? I, I think what comes to the top of my mind, Aaron, is like superior product, right? Uh, very niched customer, right? You know exactly who you're targeting. And then what else is, what else is fill in the gaps for us and tell us. Um, yeah, what, sure. What for you. So I think a lot of, cause you even see like a lot of drop shippers do very well selling like kind of sweaters on, on Facebook, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it's more so that you need to be a lot of people, if they have an e-commerce store or something, they maybe try and advertise all the products at once. Like come to our fitness store and we have all the products that you need for your fitness brand. Whereas like you really, people want to buy it, buy something that solves a singular pain point. Mm -hmm. So people should number one, always be advertising just one product and kind of one pain point. And then, yeah, they should be really nailing what that pain point is. So the one that we led with is fabric bands that won't break or roll because, you know, breaking or rolling was a really good pain point. But another potential pain point we could have used is lift and sculpt your like glutes and butt and thighs. But then you have to think about what you have to educate the customer on. If I was to go for the lifting butt approach, um, I would have had to educate, okay, you want to lift your butt. Did you know bands can lift your butt? Did you know we had better bands, the best bands on the market? And I have to bridge all these things. So what's the, so you want to try and avoid like a lot of bridges because it just creates more effort to sell to a customer. Okay. So like we went fabric bands that don't break or roll. And that was straight away, ours are the best fabric bands. And that was just kind of one bridge. And that was enough to sell to our customer quite easily. Mm -hmm. And then I think that a lot of people don't invest the time into looking at what are the best format of ads. I basically went... I looked at a lot of amazing e-commerce brands that I knew were spending on Facebook, not necessarily in our niche or not. And I looked at how their ads were, you know, a few examples like High Smile and um, Frank Body and Sand and Sky. And I actually then broke down, okay, this is, they're doing a 30 second ad. It's square and frame by frame. I would screenshot it into a PowerPoint document and kind of just look at, okay, like how quickly are they changing scenes? What kind of footage are they using? What wording are they using? What's their call to action at the end? And then I would then in my second screen build our ad based on the similar kind of story and, and changing up the, like, cause it's, yeah. And there's so many little things that you pick up on that. Like the first three seconds of a, of a video ad, it needs to pattern interrupt. So it needs to be flashing. It needs to be like text straight away. You need to be changing scenes very quickly. Mm -hmm. It needs kind of the right social proof. So I really looked at, case studies and Facebook ads are always changing and evolving. So we're always looking at what's going on so that we can be at the forefront of what we're showing customers. Mm -hmm. And then, so, yeah, so you have a really good Facebook ad and then you have to then make sure that when customers click on that, the experience is seamless then on the landing page, like the landing page kind of matches the ad. It's the same pain points that you're highlighting. And then, so we did landing page and then we went straight to like a one page checkout. Mm -hmm. So it was very seamless. We didn't give them many options of where else to go. And that worked really well from us. Cause then I could take a step back and I know the formula at each stage of the funnel. I know how much it's costing us to show this ad to X amount of people. I know how many people are clicking on it at what cost. I know how many people are landing on the landing page. I then know how many people are clicking through to the one page checkout, which is the first time they'll see the price. And then I knew how many people were checking out. So then I can kind of see what are my stats at each stage of the funnel? Okay, what's letting me down? And then I, I'd, I would reach out to peers and be like, hey, like you have a landing page. How many people are clicking through? Like, oh, 25%. Okay, I'm only getting 10% here. I'm going to fix my landing page and try and get 25%. And how does that change my formula? Yeah. And then, so that was like a very like methodical way. And that was the biggest difference with Arena Strength. I used a lot of, I just used a, a methodical way to, to develop that formula. And then I knew then if something, for example, even now, like if I suddenly, if our Facebook ads results are tanking for a few days, I'd be like, okay, take a step back, pull all our funnel numbers 
and then look which what area is letting us down and lately you know quarter four it's our cost it's facebook's what they're charging us to show our ad to a thousand people is double triple the price because it's like everyone's bidding at the moment so i'm like okay so it's not really in our control so we're going to pull back ad spend then and wait till it reduces like next come january like whereas if i didn't have those numbers i wouldn't know what it was and i might just be like oh our ads are broken or maybe there's something wrong with our website or you know so it's really important to be able to like just understand the numbers yeah it makes total sense so i can tell just by listening to you like you're on fire you've got a brain that is producing and going a million miles per hour and you talked about in in some literature i read about you that you talked about how you were i think working so hard and then you came to a point where you had to create a, a productivity uh, system that you could structure out to kind of balance your life so much well when that came when you came to that point, Aaron, were you on the verge of burnout? What happened that made you make that shift? Yeah, sure. So I guess like when I was, this is all kind of like, it's key. I look at what time in my life were so many changes. It was when I was in Colombia and I met Arthur and I was, I was just working, I was working all the time, but I would say like, not at all. I would like, I would never have a personal <laughs> life. And, and it was just like, okay, well, I, I actually only do like maybe an hour of something that moves the needle in my business. I was otherwise just fluffing around lots of admin. And it was actually talking to Arthur and he now teaches people productivity. He's a productivity coach, but at the time he was just doing it because he, that's what he loves doing. And then, so I would say to him like, okay, well, what can I do? And he was like, well, you should, first of all, track your time. You know, how are you spending your time? So I spent a week where I wrote down in 15 minute increments, everything that I was doing. And at the end of that week, I added up how much, how many minutes here am I actually putting towards business growth? And it was around 45 minutes a day. And I was like, that's terrible. If I have an eight, eight hour work day, I could get so much more done. Yeah. And then, so I was like, well, what's next? And he's like, well, why don't you start planning out your time in advance? And I was like, okay. And then, so I set kind of these bigger business goals for myself. And then I planned my week in advance. I blocked out deep work chunks in the morning and just did admin in the afternoons. And then at that stage, I was doing maybe 20, I worked and I was doing 20 hours a week of business stuff that actually moves the needle towards growing my business. That's a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like I was keeping everything in my head still, and I needed something that would help me actually plan out my week. So then I found Trello, the software system, and then everything that I had to do, I created some like columns on this. And I teach all this in my lecture series. If anyone wants, I have a productivity session on it. Um, and I just created like work admin, life admin, work, deep work, uh, deep work, um, and then waiting for kind of columns. And then I created cards and put everything I needed to do in my entire life in this system. And then basically then I, throughout my week, I created like where I would process all my inboxes and everything I needed to do would always go in the system. Mm -hmm. Then I'd spend kind of four hours a week rearranging, prioritizing, making sure that everything in my kind of Trello was up to date and what I needed to do. And then I would book in that for my week ahead, making sure that I prioritize business growth first and, and kind of admin and everything else last. And I'd be very strict around creating a container in my workday. So start work at six, finish at 1230 um, at lunchtime. Afternoons, I book in sport, evenings with friends, get a great amount of sleep. And then I'd set a real clear guideline around that. And then I was just getting so much more done that I just kept that same structure for two, three years now, you know, and I wouldn't go back to if I was to load in more stuff and work in the afternoons, I know that I would do less actually overall. So did you feel like you were getting more stuff done with work with that structure? Oh, absolutely. Like I would say that, you know, you could just see it in my revenue levels, like yeah. earning 5,000 a month to now a million, more than a million a month and, and working less and, and feeling like I have headspace and having all these amazing other personal things in my life. So it made a huge difference. I'd say it was one of the biggest things that helped me get to where I am today. That's amazing. So often what people struggle with is trying to create that structure to have work time and then social time and then not respecting the social time, right? You know, it's 7 p.m. and not much is going on. So they just hop into the computer, check some email, get involved in a project. Then it's 11 p.m. and they just spent the past three, four hours on the computer working and they wake up tired the next day and they're like, oh, groggily from getting in. hard stops or a beautiful thing. They're a magic pill to, to help us create balance in life and, and scale businesses as well. Did you find that hard to, once you put that boundary up, did you find that hard to keep those separate, to respect that? Did you ever like dive in at 7 PM, open up the phone or laptop and start trying to start work again? 
I, I think I, if I have to do that, it's because I know that something's going wrong with the business. Like I had to do that a little bit during COVID because all our warehousing system, like logistics is crazy. And I just had to put in extra hours, but I knew I was doing something wrong then and I had to plan around it. But I think when I initially started, I didn't give myself a choice because the great thing about, you know, working and traveling um, was that in the afternoons we had planned out traveling. So, you know, Arthur and I, when we first met, we, we rented, we bought a car and we drove from London all the way through Scandinavia and the Baltics. And then, so every afternoon we were out sightseeing and, you know, then, yeah, basically, so we didn't have a choice, but to just work in the morning, get it really, everything done. Cause we also wanted to travel. And then we did that for kind of a year and a half of like that travel work thing. Mm-hmm. And then now we're living in Bali um, and we just make sure I, I book stuff in, in the afternoons. Like I always break my day with lunch and then like a nap. And then I go and I join a tennis academy and I go and have my tennis lessons and play games and we book in nights with friends. So I think it's it, planning your week ahead. Like if you don't have anything else on, you might fall back into a bad habit. Yeah. But if you book in other things and it forces you to get that work done in the morning because you want to get out and have the time to do other things in the afternoon. Do you feel like you're completely turning it off when you go into the social time or are you still thinking about business in the back of your brain while you're working out or, or doing something in the evening? Yeah, I think I completely switch off. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a big part of that is also like breaking because at the end of, I had to do like an almost in that little end of day shutdown, something Arthur taught me where it's like, okay, any project that's half finished, um, I would then go into my Trello and I'd write up the next few steps like for that project. And then, so I know that when I come back to it, um, that I'm going to be able to pick up from where I left off. And then at the end of the, at end of the day, 5.30 or something like that, I would review my tomorrow and be like, is tomorrow still relevant? Yes, it is. But today I didn't get this done. I'm adding into tomorrow, adding it into the latter part of my week or back into my system. So like those sort of things, it's just closing the loop. So I'm not leaving anything like running in my mind. So that really helps. And then also like Arena now is at the stage where I have a great team. So a lot of the operations aren't flowing through me. They're flowing through our team and we have processes and systems. And my role is really like new products and stuff like that and strategy and just overviewing everything. And I have all those viewpoints booked into my week already. And I have a dedicated time to be doing that. So I don't need to be spending my personal time doing that. So so how big is your team now for Arena? Um, so we have 11 women. Yeah. And, and one great guy. Um, so yeah, it's, we've got four key managers and then we have six, uh, seven customer service kind of community staff. So. How did that guy get so lucky? yeah (laughs) he's just very talented at facebook ads so and he's amazing he's very he he loves working with a team of women so (laughs) and the whole teams that they're all remote correct yeah correct yeah and i have around the world yeah sure so our um, growth marketing manager she's based in australia our facebook ads in-house manager he's in australia i have community and coo they're actually both in bali which is great so they live in changu around the corner and then our customer service team are in the philippines america and uh, barbados yeah oh very cool and in all 38 hours that's max right everybody works 38 hours yeah, well, our customer service team, they bill hourly. Um, so if I tell them, like, I don't ever want you to burn out, like you're stay-at-home moms, just flexibly, like, tell us what, how you want to work. And so some of them work 20 hours, some of them work 30. Some of them, some weeks might want an extra income, so they might do 45, you know. But I just say I give them a lot of flexibility and they can kind of, as long as they're kind of, we they have things they have to do every day and they get those done, but they can choose their own hours. But the full-time staff, yeah, that were paid on salary. You know, I say to them, I don't expect you to work more than a 38-hour week. If you do, last month, our marketing manager, she worked a little bit more. And I said to her, it was Black Friday and things like that. And I said, try and like, make sure you're taking time in lieu. And then like next month, the aim is 38. So like, please do plan and manage your week. So you're not, you are doing 38. I want you to be around for years and years, not burn yourself out working any more than that. So where did you get the 38 number? I know the U S is 40 hours a week. A lot of Europe is 35 hours a week is 38 in the Australian thing. Or- yeah. So I decided to try and uh, do the Australian fair work guidelines. Okay. So that's 38. So, and I find that's a nice number. I try and work to that. So is that yeah. seven hours a day. Is that what that is? Or yeah. I think seven and a half a day. Seven and a half a day. Gotcha. Very cool. And, and so the business now is at 11 mil. What's your overhead like? So you guys are pulling in over in around a million a month or so. What's the expenses balance to profit now? 
Yeah, so I guess it varies every month. So we set a target of we want to have a 25 to 30% profit margin. I think that's pretty healthy. We don't like it just, we don't always hit that. Sometimes we're on 18%, 22%. But I think that at the moment, it's harder for us because a lot of our costs are acquisition costs. So we don't have a huge range of pro- a number of products. So every time we sell something, we have to spend money to acquire the customer through marketing. Right. So one of my biggest things that I'm working on in the next five years for Arena Strength is we want to develop a whole range of amazing products. And that means that, you know, our customers love us. They want to buy more from us. They're telling us to create all these things for them, but we don't, I, we can't create products fast enough. And so we're not like capitalizing on, on wanting to sell to our community community. So I've got some great products in the pipeline for next year. And we've built um, some of the, one of the amazing things we did last year is built a fitness app. So do amazing band programs on subscription for our customers who want to kind of work out resources. So kind of recurring revenue products. So that's one of the major things that's going to help us reduce kind of, because our marketing costs can be anywhere from 20 to 30 to 35%, which is huge. Um, So if we can reduce that down, then that's all going to help us with our margins and things like that. So I, I think our, yeah, with Arena Strength, our operating costs are very, very lean. Our team and our being remote and everything we do is very efficient, but we spend that extra money on marketing. So that's helped us grow so much. And now we need to bring out more products um, to reduce that kind of percentage to get to where we want to be with our margins. So where, where do you want to be? 25 yeah I set the goal of because I it was hard because I always with business I'm like I'm always gunning it for like this best that we can do as much money as we can make like we want to access as many customers as we can but I was placing so much pressure on my team and I was also then not able myself to celebrate the wins you know arena strength has achieved so much and I want to reward my team and be like we're on track and so something I thought about is well what am I aiming for and I actually just said to myself if in five years time we can make 25 million us a year with a 25 to 30% profit margin, like that's fantastic. That means that we're really healthy, that we're serving our customers in in a great sustainable way. Um, That business is gonna be worth something if I wanna sell it one day. And then, so I took a step back. I'm like, what does that mean then for our path in terms of growth percentage from now? And it was actually super conservative. So like next year, we're kind of just aiming for, I think like 2% growth on our current products, maybe 15% growth overall. And we have all these new products coming out. And then from that, I can be like, well, what does each month look like? Okay. And then to achieve that each month, what does a product mix look like that we have to sell in our different regions? Okay. If we're selling out, what does the team look like? So suddenly I'm much better able to plan the business and then every month we can then say to our managers okay well this is our aim did we achieve it or did we not and like work towards that and it just took a lot of the pressure off and it felt really good to do that so I think that's you know because otherwise I would have been like next year we should make 100 million (laughs) that's kind of just my personality and I was like that's so like I'm going to burn everyone out and we're probably going to then be forced to like produce products that we're not loving and I want to always produce amazing products for our customers um so yeah it's a it's a healthy balance that we have to learn between the ambition we have to make more money and then making sure that our business is giving good quality products and services you know and we have to take a step back sometimes to see the bigger vision of this and it's not always easy right because our minds are like more and more more grow bigger 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 you know yeah Um, totally yeah um so have so something that i'm curious about like you you've done this over the past two years, which is phenomenal, like amazing job. And then have you noticed a drive? Cause I'm sure a lot of, of females out there would, would be curious about this as an entrepreneur. Have, have you noticed a difference in your, either your mindset or your ability to work since you've been pregnant? Like, is this something that has had a big effect on how you're engaging with the team and how you're engaging with your own business personally? Yeah, sure. So I guess, yeah, it definitely has it. I've always wanted to operate like, cause my real, I love product development. I love like strategy. I love, but I don't, I don't love operations and I'm not the best at it. I like, I can do it, but it's just not like something I really love. So I always had in mind of like, oh, I'm going to hire a general manager and they're going to like really run the business operation rhythms. And I'm going to be like kind of acting as the owner and, and new product and kind of also work on other stuff. Like I want to get more into like coaching female entrepreneurs and things like that. And then when I guess when we got pregnant, I was like, okay, so I have nine months now to like get this next stage sorted. 
And that was like right after COVID hit. So the business like changed a lot in those few months anyway. When I was the first time I actually was bringing on a management team. Like before that, it was basically me and Sophie and our customer service staff. But then I brought on kind of the high level managers. And then so... Yeah, it made me map out then if I want to take a good three months off when the baby's born and then come back in to a role where I just do the things that I really want to do in the business, what do I need? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, these are the areas, like I drew, drew out a big organization chart and I was like, here we are now, here's where we need to be. And then I was like, what's the gaps here? What would, what do I need to hire to fill these gaps? And then I, I really discovered that I need like a really smart COO who can handle like all the operations functions and stuff like that. And then so I went to market and I found an amazing girl who's now working for me for a month now and she's fantastic. She's ex-McKinsey, super smart. And then so I've just been working side by side and we're sorted out our logistics and processes. We're sorting out finances like and all the processes around that. She's starting to manage the team. She's working side by side with me for a good six months so she can learn kind of like how I think about things and because I kind of know all the background on e-commerce and stuff like that, that she doesn't necessarily have yet. So it's just a forcing mechanism for that. And so I know now that come March when I'm about to have a baby that I'm going to have already at least be working a month or two where everything runs through her. And she asks me if, if something goes wrong and then I teach her. So then I'm going to be able to take some really great time off. So it just sped things along a lot, really. Yeah. I noticed that amongst my male friends, once their wives or their girlfriends get pregnant, all of a sudden they start to make more money. And it, it was like, what were you holding back for the whole time? You know, it's like, well, you could do this anytime. And, but their psyche changes, right? It's like, oh, okay. I've got a baby coming that I now have to provide for and take care of. And I've seen it so many times amongst guys and they'll just like, they'll change and their income will 2X, 3X, 4X, whatever. And their business will just start to skyrocket. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you, cause I've never seen, I've never asked from the female perspective is if that's something that has a real strong effect on the growth of your business. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the main things, like one of the key reasons I also wanted to be an entrepreneur is that when I was working in corporate, I looked at the future and I thought, you know, in my 30s, I want to have a, a child and be a mother. But I hate the idea of having to then ask, like take maternity leave and then be at home the whole time and also or be stressed and trying to half-half it of like part-time work and then be at home and trying to be this like super mom. And I didn't want that for myself. So I wanted to build myself freedom so that I could earn income and take time off. And I could dip back into a little bit of business when I felt like I had, I had the time to do that. And so I could really enjoy the process of motherhood. And so I really want to, in the next few months, I like set myself up so I, I can really enjoy it. When my baby's born, I want to be there. And if I want to spend all my time just with them, I'll do that. If I want to like spend my morning still working and then, you know, the rest of my time with the baby, I want to do that as well. Like, I just want to give myself ultimate freedom and flexibility mm -hmm. to like really enjoy that next stage of, of motherhood. So another thing I wanted to ask you is I was going through your Instagram earlier. And one thing that I thought was really wise of you guys is to so many health and coaching and, and, and fitness and, and, and influencers focus on just a hundred percent of their marketing, especially when it comes to Instagram and social media on only like these model types of women, right. And all the pictures up there are just like gorgeous women want these abs, you know, want these biceps, want these legs or whatever. And then you guys have a variety there because you have your main trainer and then you have results of women that have used your product and they show before and after pictures. And it's, it's all different types of women. And I think it's very wise. I think it's smart because very few people do that, especially in the fitness industry. And it, and it, yeah. And it focuses on real, real women of all different shapes and sizes, not just the model types. I, I would imagine this is part of your strategy, you know, to niche down on maybe it's a, this, the mom that's at home or a woman that's struggling with her weight or somebody that just, just even wants to be fit. It's in all these. So could you tell, could you expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess it all kind of starts with like, when I was um, spending that time thinking about what values I want to live my life by and what values I want my business to have. One of them was just that, like the, the idea of empowerment and contribution and doing, never doing anything that felt icky anymore for me, like doing something, you know, and I, myself, when I I'm on Instagram or when I'm, you know, working out, I'm like, 
I'm not like a fitness model. I don't do it. Like they're never really super, super tight or anything like that. And I would just feel like it would be really inauthentic to say and to kind of just continue promoting that there's one way to look that you have to work out so that you can look like this. Whereas rather you can work out just to be healthy and you're beautiful, whatever size you are and whatever age you are. And I think that we, like in the media, we absolutely need to be showing, showcasing you know, all these different types of women so that women can feel good about themselves and and not have to look a certain way. And then, so we made a really active effort, probably not initially with our brand because we were tight on budget and we just had kind of had one model in Changu that did all about media basically. But ever since we've had a little bit more budget to play with, we're definitely like in a huge community now. We've spotted women of all different ages, of all different shapes and sizes. And we've said, hey, that's an amazing video of you using our bands. We repost that on our social media. Or like when we're doing, you know, local shoots and things like that, we're, we're looking for all these types of different women to showcase. And, and I think that's really one of the major reasons our Facebook community group is so amazing. Like we have 50,000, 55,000 women now in our Facebook community group. And I think when I check the engagement stats, like 98% of them had interacted in the group in the last 30 days. Like, wow. and that's phenomenal. The, the, and it's the, yeah. And like the posts that they're having, it's so inspiring. Like every day you see these women who are like, Hey, I've got depression, you know, I, but I got my bands and I've woken up and I've done 10 minutes and I feel really good now. And like everyone can go ahead and do it for themselves. And you see another woman who's like, I'm, I'm you know, 300 pounds and I'm now at 280. I'm on my health journey. Like it's so inspiring. And like, I'm a 64 year old woman and my husband grabs my butt every day now. Like it's so <laughs> nice just to see that all these women are just taking, are really proud of themselves and they're taking control of their health and their fitness. And we're not saying like, you have to be doing this for any other reason, but for yourself. And I think that's so nice. And I, I like, I think the online space is very much moving towards authenticity, perhaps, especially with COVID and, and everyone kind of, you know, being flashy or being looking a certain way, or like, I think Victoria's Secret is really suffering right now because they have such a one dimensional view of what women should look like, like goddesses, mm-hmm. where actually all these brands that are starting to do really well are showing much more inclusivity. Yeah. And I think women are really, as, as we're growing in our own equality and our own empowerment, we're starting to push back and spend our money and demand that. And yeah, and I'm proud to hopefully that arena is going to be a part of that. So yeah, that's fascinating. So one thing we're doing is we're doing a series of major influencers, major entrepreneurial influencers, and we've done about 75, 80 of these interviews now. And I like to ask each guest, what are two or three things that you do to help manage your influence as an entrepreneur, especially as a female entrepreneur? But one of the things I heard you mention earlier is that not doing anything that feels icky. And so could you dive into that a little bit, what that feels like? Because I I experienced this myself in the past as an entrepreneur in times things come up. It's like, is this what I really want to promote? And like, okay, no, take a step back. This is not the image that I want to focus on. So, so what does that mean for you not doing things that feel icky? I think there's two things here. Like I don't yet have a real personal brand as an entrepreneur I think that's something that I'm going to work on in the next year of trying to help educate women around entrepreneurship and for me personally that just means I really I don't want to be someone for me that's just fluff that's kind of just a face and that's just motivational but never gives anything tactile like I the people that I follow and the people that I respect are the people that I learn from that I see that are hustling that are giving real genuine advice so for me that means okay well when I'm going out and I'm going to maybe take the next step into coaching and things like that. It's always looking at like, how am I adding value? How am I helping someone get to where they want to be? I just don't want, I never want to be someone where someone looks at and kind of thinks, oh, they have the perfect life. And that's like, great. But I'm saying like, look at me in my perfect life. And and if you look hard enough, you might get here. Like it just feels gross. I want to be actually like, I'm just like you and here's all the resources and here's all the knowledge and here I'm going to teach you so you can get there and just enjoy my teachings. Like you don't have to, you know, I'm not some like celebrity influencer or whatever, just like, but I'm going to help you and teach you and help you get there. I want to help people get to where they want to be. I just don't want to show them the end results. Uh, I think, yeah. So for me, it's all, and then it's framing that of like, 
not the next phase of my life doesn't necessarily be have to be about making tons of money. I've kind of like achieved my financial goals with arena strength. So I want to then like have the right balance of doing something that adds a lot of value, but still it should make money because money is how you grow a movement and how you reach more people and things like that. So I think it's all about just understanding and setting those clear guidelines. Like if I had someone come to me for advice or coaching or something like that, and I had, I didn't see a really clear roadmap for them and I hadn't been there before. There's no way I would then like work with them just to take their money or something like that. Like that's it so wrongly for me. And so I think it's just all about really knowing myself and my own values and making sure that I'm using that as a matrix and making all my decisions. So that's it. Like spending time to go inward and understand yourself and your values. So you know where your boundaries are, right? Um, what are some ways, Aaron, that you take that time to, I know you spent the year traveling abroad, but take time to go inward. So you're just checked in with yourself. So, you know, where you're at emotionally, mentally, even spiritually, maybe. So, you know, where you're at and what you want to communicate to your team and what you want to create through the business. Yeah, sure. So I think it starts out with, I read the book, uh, Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, which gave a really good framework for identifying the values you want to live your life by. And those haven't really changed for me in the past two and a half, three years. I have that as a clear guide for myself. And then almost on a, I use a planner and it basically has eight areas of your life, you know, love and partnership, productivity and performance, wellness. So every week I'm checking in on each of these areas of my life and I'm scoring them and I'm setting goals in these areas and I'm asking myself how I'm doing. And if any, the lowest scoring area, I'm basically then actively working on. So any one point I'm trying to improve like the lowest scoring area of my life. And it really helps me keep things balanced and sees, and it shows that, you know, the business and work is just one eighth of my life really. And I should, when I keep everything at a good level, that's when I feel really great within myself. And that's, then I also, yeah, that's how I look at it for myself really. And if I'm doing well, then I find everything else is doing well. The business does well, you know, I'm teaching my staff to, to also take care of themselves personally take care of themselves professionally. Everyone's yeah. responsible for setting their own boundaries and just being kind to everyone in, in my team, basically, and understanding. <laughs> What's the name of the planner? Is it a generic planner or is it a... Uh, it's a it's traction planner. So it's the one my partner does. Basically, uh, him and I were working out wanting a planner for ourselves and we're like, what's our ideal planner? Then we like drew it up. So I, I can give you the link to it or something like that, but it's very good and I like it because of those. It just, there's many planners that do many things. Um, but this one, I like that it just has those eight areas of life and you're constantly checking in and then you're able to then plan your day around kind of those areas too. So yes. Yeah. Excellent. I think that's a phenomenal podcast, Aaron. Do you, do you <laughs> have any more bits of wisdom you want to share with us? I hope this I hope a lot of women listen to this podcast and know that they can absolutely build a business and they can do it in their, on their own terms and they can do it in a way that gives them freedom, the freedom that they want in life. You don't have to work more than 38 hours a week. You don't need a huge amount of investment. You don't need to have huge infrastructures and things like that. You can very much, as I have done, and in, in a very short amount of time, build something fantastic. And I think there's a huge opportunity now for women because women are one of the, the main buyers of everything right now. Course, like they yes. buy, yeah. yeah, buy a lot more than men. And, and we understand yeah. women yeah. the best because we are women and we can address our needs. And so we should absolutely be running these big companies selling products to women. So I think please do like hop on to that on my free lecture series because I really do talk about, you know, how to establish the business that you want to build, how to find, build a brand, how to find a community to serve. I talk about how to like a really narrow approach to like finding a product that's going to sell. I then talk about how to build your sales funnel to sell that product and how to test it. And then when it's working then, then you can build like business operations that aren't going to take up a lot of your time. So I kind of give you a very like narrow path. So you're not going to get distracted. You're not going to do a million different things and it's all for free. And a lot of people have said that it's, you know, given them a lot of guidance. So whether you want to get started or whether you feel stuck in the business you're currently in and you want to get to a next level, do check that out. I really hope it adds a lot of value for you. So. And, and that's arenastrength.com forward slash learn, correct? Yes. Yes. And then uh, the name of your Facebook group is some women would like to join. 
Yeah. Um, so on that hyperlink, arenastrength.com forward slash learn, I'm just going to forward it to the Facebook group um, for people to join. So it's how to build a business, how to build a seven figure business without giving up your life. <laughs> Very long name. So that that's going to be the group. That, that shorter link will direct you to that group. I love it. Aaron, I've really enjoyed this podcast. It's been such a delight to hear from you and, and glad that we finally got you on the microphone. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and thank you for just kicking ass as an entrepreneur. You're doing a really great job. And I love to see women have success, like just really, really great success. And it's so inspiring to see. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Chris. Um, I think you're doing fantastic things. I love listening to your podcast and it's very inspiring for me. So thank you. Thank you. And listeners, uh, thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Hey listeners, thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.